Welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now, here's your host, Michael Cerigliano. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In Progress. I'm your host, Michael Cerigliano, with special guest, Fabian Bischoff. How are you doing, Fabian? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? Fantastic. I mean, uh, we were just talking about how uh, I just went on a trip to Italy. I was supposed to go see him in Austria and the cult, the culture difference between here and America. Absolutely insane. That's one thing I wanted to ask you on camera. I uh, purposely didn't ask you beforehand. Uh, what, what's it like now that you've been to Italy for a pretty long time now being yeah. back home again? Well, <clears throat> I liked Italy. I liked Italy a lot. Um, but what I realize is a lot of people like say, you know, they'd move to Italy and this and that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can ever live anywhere besides America being mm-hmm. so used to, like I was telling you, the amenities, just like the ease of everything, the money here, like there, you know, money's easier to get here. Jobs are easier to get. You can become wealthier here, easier. Everyone that I saw in Italy was kind of living a very simplistic lifestyle, which is great, but without the option to do the other side of it, you know? So for me, it was like, I love it here. Everything's cheaper. The lifestyle is great. It's relaxed. But on it, I feel like they kind of move in slow motion there compared to America, where it's always like hustle and bustle. So it's great for a vacation. Definitely great for a vacation. But I don't think now being there for a month, that I could ever live in Italy. I see your point there. Yeah. Um, but that's the that's the the charm, the charm of uh, of Italy, the relaxed, the yeah, everything is well. <laughs> everything is yeah, you know what I mean, right? Italians oh, yeah. are so touchy and so passionate. And if they get furious, they get really furious. But oh, also yeah. on the other hand, if they if they are in a good mood, they are really in a good mood and they know how to enjoy life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're very passionate about whatever they're doing, however they're feeling. They're, it's very passion driven, which is great. Like, that's not something that you really get here much. It's kind of, I feel like in America, everyone's kind of neutral. No one really has those different levels. Whereas in Italy, it's like, you know, if you're having a party or if you're celebrating something, everyone's just enjoying it, loving it. And then if something bad, like I went there right after Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> they go crazy with football. Oh, right? my God. Yeah, they insane. My brother has a, he has a hand tattoo of the Italian national team logo on his hand. So people would see that and they'd be like, oh, porca miseria. And they would just get pissed and start talking about how Italy didn't make the World Cup and they won the Euro and this and that. And they were so passionate about it. And it's not, it's not a normal thing here to be like that. Like me, I was, you know, I was pissed they didn't make it. But over there, it's like, we can't talk about this. This is, this is too much to handle right now. And they would like, <laughs> you'd see the emotion going. And I was just like, it's, it's crazy. It's literally like a huge deal over there. Huge. Like that's their livelihood is the Italian national team, soccer. I cannot really go too much into that because I don't have passion for soccer at all. Mm-hmm. like anything related to ball games ball sports or team sports in general nah that's not me no just the uh mma yeah just athletics in general but um more 
I like I like calisthenics. I like um, gymnastics, uh-huh. but uh, I don't. I'm not really good with playing ball games. I I don't have the the, the necessary coordination for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. It takes a takes a special kind of. Yeah, in and, school and I was always the kid that was uh, that was voted at last. <laughs> so <laughs> how was it for you? Because I never asked you. You going to America and going back to Austria, how do you feel about that? Would you live in America, or is is there something about America that you didn't really see yourself yeah. living in America because of? So um, obviously, the social system in America is rough. Yeah. See, the big shock for me, I was in San Francisco, that was my first stop, and we were living, I don't know if you're familiar with it, we were living in the Tenderloin, or right at the outskirts, that's like uh, the area where the homeless people are. Ah, yes, yes. And I can tell you, I had a culture shock. Oh my God. Big time. We don't, where I'm from, we don't have homeless people, like maybe one or two, and Mm -hmm. here and there, but it's not like a thing. Yeah. In Vienna, yes, okay, but here in the west side of Austria, western side of Austria, no, At it's all? too small. No, not really. Maybe one, one or two, but we have uh, governmental organizations that help them, or government housing that backs that up a little bit, so yeah. they don't really sleep on the streets. Mm-hmm. But you also have to realize too, you only went like. Even me coming from where, where I live now, where I was living before I was in Austin, because I was living in Austin, that's where I met you. Me being here, the homeless population here is n- almost non-existent. Like if you go around like downtown, which is where homeless people typically stay, mm-hmm. uh, you can maybe see two, three. I think there's like three homeless people that like I will regularly see when I go downtown. They stay in the same places. They sleep in the same places. But in Austin, it was literally... They were all, I don't know if you noticed that, but they were all over in Austin. Like even Austin, Sorry, sorry that I interrupted you. No, but no. Austin is still uh, a joke compared to San Francisco. Oh, I heard California's homeless population is insane. Off the charts. Yeah, it's pr- all over the place. They sleep outside on the benches, on the beach, everywhere. In mm-hmm. Austin, and it was like, it was more, the only thing that was weird to me, because Austin does have a, a pretty high homeless population, because they, a lot of them moved from California to Austin because the cost of living at the time was lower. Now the cost of living is uh, fairly similar to California. But where I worked, I worked at uh, the AT&T over uh, in Austin, right on the outskirts of Austin, kind of. And there was a homeless guy that lived, slept, not, like out, right outside my store. So his, his sleeping bag was right outside the store. And I'm not used to that at all. No, me neither. And when I arrived there, the first week was rough. Like seeing people on the streets in the middle of the day smoking crack or whatever it was. I'm not used to that. Hey, yeah. I don't know if I can say that on camera. Maybe I have to censor that. But I saw people taking a shit on the streets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why like California is... For like right in movies, California's pictured to be this like it's depicted as this beautiful land of uh, opportunity and beautiful people and this and that. It's like it's only like that in like Hollywood, 
Los Angeles, some certain parts, but overall, that's all they focus on is those parts. When you go to the outskirts, like they, California has a huge crime rate. Uh, their murder rate is off the charts, homeless off the charts. Like California is actually struggling hard, but in the movies, you, you know, you watch a movie, an American movie about someone in California and, you know, they're surfing on the beach and they're driving along Malibu and it looks beautiful and everything's gorgeous. And it's like, not like that. And California is that part too. Um, back to your question, if I could imagine living in America, I could definitely see myself living in San Diego for some time. Really? I, I loved it. I loved San Diego, really. And I also loved Austin. I could also see myself living, living in Austin. I mean, nice. Texas barbecue in itself is a reason to move there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I never had, I never, when I'm, I'm in New York now, I, oh, I never liked barbecue. I never liked it. I always said it's the, the most disgusting thing. I don't get why Americans like barbecue so much. I went to Austin and I had it and I was like, oh, that's now why. I like now I get it. It's that's why really yeah. different. I could see myself doing that, but since I am accustomed to the high uh, or to the good social system we have in Austria, mm. I could never move to America if I'm not financially stable. Yeah, you have because to. if you if you take a, a, a or if you if they catch you slipping and you lose your job or whatever, you're on the streets like that. Yes, it doesn't Absolutely. happen here. No, I mean. It's also state dependent. Texas and California are very bad with their unemployment. I mean, very bad. It depends on how you look at it. And yeah. New York, our unemployment system is so, it favors the unemployed so much that if you're okay. unemployed, you can potentially be making as much as somebody who has a job. Oh, really? Yeah. But that's... There's no incentive to work at that point. No, that's not good at all. No, it's, there's, there's gotta the be in extreme. between. Yeah. You have to be, um, there has to be something that helps you if you're unemployed because things can go sideways and you lose your job. Yeah. Like I went, I, I went through that. I, I started a new job and I had to quit after a month, unfortunately. You but, had to quit. Uh, yeah, right. something happened. I don't want to get too deep into it, but mm -hmm. uh, something happened that I couldn't tolerate. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate circumstances and that stuff happens. So, it's, I think it's important. It's really important that there's a system in place that supports you if you lose your job due to circumstances or whatever, or your company closes, you never know. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Without a job as well. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I could, could imagine to, to live over there. But what I, what I wanted to, uh, get into as well with your question how it was to come back i had a hard time the first few weeks when i came back i really, really had yeah because first of all it was winter here in austria <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's right i came back january and then um the whole political situation everything was uh, basically shut down we you there was nothing you could do that was pretty rough because i was in texas before yeah I, I was free like a bird <laughs> um, and just the small mindedness of certain people here you you literally feel that oh 100 
you literally feel that and i was when i had to describe it because i was three months i was on my own i was living without anybody telling me what to do and what to think and what to say and what to wear and etc etc um and when i came back and just this subconscious um how do i say that those subconscious restrictions from other people or those opinions how you should behave how you should act and blah 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 yeah it, it felt like i uh put on a shoe that was three sizes too small for me yes you know Absolutely. it was fitting 10 years ago but now it's not working i was literally i i like the ceiling fell to my head yeah no 100 percent. and that's uh that's something that i actually another thing that i recognize me and my brother recognized when we were in italy is the the open-mindedness in i don't i don't know if it's all of europe but it was in italy and you're saying it's in austria too where no it's, it's the opposite in austria it's super in austria it was this small-mindedness yeah and, and in italy it was the same way which you wouldn't think italy being a you know free mm-hmm. uh, more more free liberal kind of whatever but yeah we go like even the even to the point of like how you're supposed to act right like in america if you like we we went out to the bar and we're talking and there's music playing and we're drinking and we're joking around and being loud and having a good time when i went to bars in italy like people would just kind of like sit there look around talk to some friends kind of quiet and like mm-hmm. me and my brother we're we're more out there like you know if we hear music we'll dance you know if we mm-hmm. if we see someone we don't know we'll go up and talk to them yeah and in italy it was like they would look at it, like they would look at us weird like i remember we were in a, a small town where my family is from and me and my brother, the music was playing and we're just, you know, dancing to the music, whatever. And the people were like looking at us and we would like talk to someone that we didn't know who they were, but we were with our cousins. So we're like, it's a small town. Maybe everyone knows each other. We talked to them and they're just like, they're like, oh, oh, uh, how are you doing tonight? And they're just like, good. Yeah, they I, remember, I remember one time it was crazy. Um, my brother went up to somebody and goes, hey, uh, he was skateboarding and he goes, Hey, I like the way you're skateboarding. What's your name? And he goes, why? And (laughs) he looked, my brother looked at me. He's like, did I say that right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I I like the way you skateboard. I want to know your name. He's like, for what? And he he stuck with it. He he didn't, he didn't move from it. He was like, for what? And then my brother's like, no, I just like the way you're skateboarding. He's like, who are you? We were like, what the hell? And he, he was never, almost offended. Yeah. I was like, dude, he literally said, Hey, I like the way you're skateboarding. What's your name? And he's like, no, nope. Not happening. No. And it's like in America, it's like, if you go up to someone you don't know, you could talk to them and you can have a full blown conversation. I had like literal hour long conversations with random strangers on the street. Absolutely. That's normal. Legit. Yeah, that's completely normal. And that was something I had to get adjusted to because um, Austrians are not that way. Yeah. Usually. Uh A story I like to tell or share all the time. uh, When I was in Texas, when I met you and Mia, Mm -hmm. um, a few days after that was New New Year's Eve, right? Mm -hmm. I I went to the one bar we met in. 
uh, I, I went there by myself and I sat at the bar and had a drink. Uh, and I was in my head, I was like, okay, I, I'll have this drink and then I'll, I'll go home. Yeah. I'll sleep. Right. And there was this one guy staring at me the whole time. Uh, in my head, I was thinking, why? What, what does he want from me? Right. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was literally getting a bit offended, just a, a little bit. And then he came over and asked me if I was alone. And I was like, yeah, why? Um, uh, my friends are over there and we have another English person there who's also here on by himself, by himself if I want to join them. And then I went over there, had a drink with them and I stuck with them the whole evening. And that's something that doesn't happen here. Yeah. Or it never happened to me. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that like... So is the cultural norm in, I want to say Europe, but we could just stick with Austria because you could speak for Austria. Is the cultural norm to kind of like stick to who you know and what you know and not like venture out of that? Where I'm from, yes. I cannot speak for the whole country because I'm more in the Western side yeah. and there are people that are really reserved. Mm -hmm. As you said, everything is surrounded by mountains, right? And maybe that contributes to that... Um, closed circle yeah exactly it's like just you're surrounded by mountains you 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 uh, never see beyond that your horizon is limited and so is your group you yeah, know what exactly. i mean exactly yeah. you're limited Maybe. both physically you're yeah. actually geographically limited and mentally limited yeah like outside it's on the inside but um who knows Right. And I, I cannot speak for everybody, obviously. Maybe there are people that are super um, open and extroverted and like to meet new people and all the good things. But um, yeah, it's not the norm. No, not at all. And if you go out here, it's, uh, it's very much uh, yeah, see and be seen. How so? How do I describe that? <laughs> People take themselves too seriously oftentimes. And uh -huh. if you go to a club, you see a lot of people just standing there and looking all mean and serious and yeah. wearing Gucci and uh, whatever, just showing off. I'm yeah. here. I'm important. I wear this. I wear that. I have this watch and those sneakers. And that makes me, I don't know. And it's super hard to escape that because you fall oh, yeah. into those patterns as well. Absolutely. Like you like you mentioned in your uh, episode with Pat, mm -hmm. with uh, the sneakers, with the Jordans. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're in that, uh, in that pattern as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like that has a lot to do with, um, it was, uh, I, I, we were talking about Eckhart Tolle, uh, The Power of Now. Yes. I'm not sure. Have you, have you read that book? Yes. So it was, I, 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 I say that that's, that's more ego than anything else. It's, it's you, you know, you want to be cool and you want to, you want other people to think you're cool. So you do these things that other people do, whether that's congruent to who you are or not. So like there are people that'll like in America, they're called hype beasts. That's what it's called here. Yeah. And it's, it's basically people that buy Supreme, the Jordans, the Nikes, the Adidas, the Balenciaga. And they spend all this money to look cool full time. They're miserable. They're on social media looking like they're cool and they're miserable. They, you know, they don't like, they don't like anything about what they're doing, but they portray this 
this persona of this cool person who like has all these things and it's all it's all related back to things it's not are you happy with who you are or what you're doing it's do you have the things that are socially acceptable or socially valued whether that's something you want or not and that's how that's how america is in general and i I guess in your town too it's the same thing and it's it's all ego driven it is and what so i grew up in a really really small town and Mm when you know everybody it's obviously important what other people think of you right or that's at least that's the way how i was raised i was raised to uh to care what other people think and always behave nicely and behave behave in a correct manner because what could the neighbors think right yes always i think they have a term uh, in america keeping up with the joneses is that right yes yeah that's exactly what it is and I mean, who gives a shit? No, absolutely. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, to be honest. Who gives a shit? Um, I have this, uh, this concept. I don't know if I talked about it on the first episode we did. If I do, I apologize. Oh, you're um, good. Um, you meet like millions of people or thousands of people do- during your lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. We could say that. And some of yeah. them get really close to you. Some of them you even consider family, like your parents, your sisters, brothers, or even some friends that become family. Yeah. To some of them, you even have a deeper relationship. You marry them or live with them in the same household. Yeah. And all this time, there's only one person that really stays with you. Because all those people, family, friends, relationships, blah, 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 they can be gone tomorrow. Yeah. They can be gone in an instant. Mm-hmm. like in a matter of seconds even either because they decide they don't want to spend time with you anymore you're not good for them anymore or mm-hmm. they have a shift in minds or whatever or even they pass away that's also possible yeah and the only person that really sticks with you the whole time is that one dude or a girl that stares back from the mirror that's the only person that really is there all the time mm-hmm. That's there when you have your highest of highs and that person is also there when you're at your lowest of lows. Absolutely. And yeah, the the relationship you cultivate with that person determines how your life is going to be to a big extent. If you have a good relationship with that person, the sky's the limit. If, If that person looking back from the mirror is your friend, everything is possible because that person will always have your back and that person will always find a way to to make the best out of things yeah and you're never alone you always have that person you can rely on but on the other hand if you're being rude to that person in a way that you're not being honest with them mm-hmm. or uh, or portraying something that's not true for that person so if you if you behave in a way that's not true to your authentic self that person notices everybody else might fall into the trap and believe you but this person will notice for sure and that has effects on your relationship i mean how would you feel if your best friend started talking bad about you behind your back you wouldn't like that. No. Right? Exactly. And 
if he hit a low spot, maybe you would say, okay, no, you did this and this and this. Now see how you go along. Mm-hmm. You don't need my help. Exactly. And that the person staring back from the mirror does the same thing. Maybe you hit a low and that person's not there anymore. You're on your own. Or maybe that person even caused that low, uh, you being at that low spot. Yeah. No, that's a, <clears throat> that's honestly like the, a lot of people fall into that trap, like you were saying, where it's, you're not, you're not congruent with who you are. You don't actually resonate with who you are as a person because you're trying to portray something else. There's a lot of people here that I know that I, I'm even friends with, um, where it's, it's more so what is everybody else going to think of this thing? How am I supposed to live my life so other people can think that I'm happy, can think that I'm cool? Whole time, their values are complete opposite. I've had conversations with people who their values, because like, you know, with me, me and you, we've had, this, we've had deep conversations. So I enjoy those deeper conversations. And I, I talk to people and I'm like, you know, what, what do you value? What, what is it that you want in your future? And they're like, you know, I want a regular house with a nice family. I want to have a pool, um, a, a nice paying job. And then the life they're portraying or the life that their family portrays and puts onto them is this materialistic, you know, the boats, the nice cars, the big houses, the trips all the time to different places. And then you have to post it on social media so other people can see that you went on this trip because you're not taking the trip for yourself. They're out on the clubs and the bars on the phone all the time. So other people can see, oh, wow, they're having a good time. They must be cool. And it's like, that's not what you want. And maybe what you want isn't what everyone thinks is cool. But at the end of the day, when you're 40, 50, 60, are you still going to be doing this? At some point, it's going to stop. At some point, you're not going to have the energy to continue chasing this validation from other people. And then you're stuck with the person that you never got to know, which is yourself. And now you have to build from the ground up at 40, 50, 60 to try and be congruent with yourself again. And that's where misery sets in. And that's where the people, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen those deathbed confessions where people are on their deathbed. Oh, what what do you regret? And it's, you know, they have a list of things they regret that they never did. And it's because you're living for other people. You're not living for yourself. You're living to look cool to other people. And now you're 35, you're single, or you're with someone you don't like just because you're trying to portray this thing and you have nothing left. You have nothing left. And oftentimes it's not even about uh, pleasing other people or looking cool. That's the better term. Not even about looking cool, but just pleasing your parents. That's a big part. Or doing something that uh, fits into the stigma of what you should do, right? Yeah. That's, and it's hard to escape that. It's, it's really, really hard Yeah. for some people. For some people, it's pretty easy. For me, it was really hard. But um, Escaping your parents, like doing what your parents want? No, nah, not, not so much the parents, but um, uh, because they always supported me pretty well, but uh, subconsciously, obviously, you fall into those traps yeah and just getting conscious with uh when i am behaving in a way or when i do things that are not really true to me but true to what other people taught me yeah 
That's the next thing. Why do you want to pursue that? Even if you think it's your because of your authentic self, do you really, is it really true? Or is it just something that you picked up on the way from another person? Exactly. And that, yeah, I mean, that's hard to do though. You know, when you, like how you say, you know, you're raised by your parents to have a, you know, at a certain standard, whatever that is, you're raised by your parents and that they mold you. And then you have friends in elementary school, middle school, high school, that you fall into that group and they mold you. And I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Childhood trauma is a thing. It's a, a yep. real thing. You, you, yep. You're molded as a child and you have to break those shackles, which I just recently started doing. I started really deep diving into my childhood. Why do I act a certain way? You too? Oh, nice. Yep. Per- perfect. So I, <laughs> we're on the same page. I was, yep. uh, I was talking to somebody about my birthday my birthday uh was um a week or two ago and congratulations thank you um and i was talking to them about how i don't care about my birthday and they were like uh it's it's my girlfriend that i was talking to and uh she was like why that's a big deal that's a big deal that you that you were born it's your birthday and for me i was like i i don't care about it i never did and then i looked back and i was like my dad never cared about his birthday. My mom never cared about her birthday. So mm-hmm. birthdays were never really a big deal because of that. And then in school, my friends were, I had the friend group because my parents are more introverted. They don't mm-hmm. really socialize too much. So my friend groups were all introverted. And because of that, I didn't have the big friend groups. So when mm-hmm. there were kids that were having the parties for their birthdays, I was like, that's not me. That's not who I am. And then as the years went on, I started like seeing people having fun on their birthdays. And I was like, I want to do that. But that's not that I don't I don't see why that's a thing. And because of that, I missed out on I'm 20. I just turned 28. I missed out on I graduated high school 10 years ago. And in high school, so we'll say 10, 14 years, I'll say 14 years, I can genuinely remember that I haven't celebrated a birthday, even though I wanted to, because I didn't see it was important. And I didn't want to burden other people with my birthday. I didn't think that my birthday was important. I'd go out for other people's birthdays, but my birthday didn't matter. I don't matter. Theirs did. And I had to really look at, I'm like, damn, that's really from like back then, like back in the day. And it's just like a small example like that that could like really snowball into this big thing that sculpts who you are. 20 years later and oftentimes you don't even realize that's that's the crazy thing you go like you said you you go on with your life for 28 years and you never even realized that you're manipulating yourself in that manner yes and it takes a whole lot of uh yeah reflection to even spot those patterns to even see them to 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 get a grasp on them and then obviously doing the work is also a lot of uh, yeah effort but um yeah, absolutely realizing where you're uh, being or where you're manipulating yourself that's that's the big thing i it's read a book i don't yeah exactly i read a book i don't know if it's uh translated in english as well the child in you has to find home would be the english translation uh, it's written by a clinical uh, by a psychologist, and it's the whole 
inner child thing is described really, really good. And uh, I, in my opinion, if every young adult would read that fucking book, uh, it would solve a lot of uh, a lot of cultural problems or society problems. Absolutely. You have, that's the that's the that's the main thing. Uh, I I listen to a lot of podcasts and videos and mm-hmm. on, on people that talk about psychology and sociology. And there's always that root cause of the childhood trauma, right? You you're sculpted as a child to when I mean when you're like five, if you do something wrong and your parents yell at you for it or you get in trouble for it, in your mind that's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I have to stop. Yeah. They they don't care about me. And that literally stops it right then. You get bullied in school or made fun of in school. You, you reserve yourself more. You're like, the less that I say, the less that I do, the less that I'm out there, the less I get made fun of. Yeah. And that sculpts you to be, I mean, for myself, it took me, I was, I was in, like introverted. Like I wouldn't talk to anyone. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't go out. I didn't do any of that. It took me, I was 24. I think when I started really diving into this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and I realized that me being introverted, me being shy, me not wanting to talk to people, that all stems from different scenarios, different events that happened in my childhood that sculpted me to be this way. And now, you know, I'm 28. What's your excuse? You, you, at some point you have to take the reins. You have to take this, the, the, fu- the fucking steering wheel and steer your yeah. own life. You can't keep saying, Oh, it's just who I am. Like, no, you can be whoever you want. Exactly. You're you're not responsible. I mentioned this in the pr- previous episode. I remember you're not responsible for how you've been raised or how you've been conditioned. But you're fucking responsible for if you want to keep going with that programming. And Absolutely. I don't know if you know Tony Robbins. Oh, of course. Good. He uh, he uh, writes in his book that every thing we do we do out of one or two one of two reasons either mm. gaining joy or avoiding um discomfort yep. something like that yeah mm-hmm. avoiding pain gaining yep. joy or avoiding pain and with every event in your life especially in childhood because there's nothing there yeah. <laughs> there are no exactly. connections you're a blank sheet a blank paper and with everything that happens you make a connection of either joy or pain. Mm-hmm. So for example, you, you're hungry and you cry and your mom sees that, comes to you and feeds you. Mm-hmm. That's the first positive connection. Yeah. Crying, food. And then you explore the kitchen. You go around, you make your way and find your way onto the, the kitchen, cooking field. Mm-hmm. and you see those uh, plates and you think oh what's that and you put your hand onto that plate and you burn yourself because the thing is hot yeah. and that's the first negative association yes that plate is connected to pain now yes. right and you go through your life and at some point the major wiring process is done mm-hmm. you're at a point where your brain is wired and that's a big part of who you are now. Yeah, exactly. And if you never address those connections and those uh, scenarios, like you said, that happened in your childhood, they will 
alter your way of behaving, behaving uh, your whole t- the whole time. And it's a shame. It's a pity. Mm-hmm. You said that you, you recently were doing some diving into your childhood too. A lot. A lot? Recently? Yeah. Yes. Well, it all started when I came back. Okay. What, uh, I mean, what prompted that? Was it just the difference between America and Austria or did something happen? No. Um, yeah, something happened. Let's put it that way. Okay. I don't want to share too much. Yeah, yeah. Something happened in my family and uh, that shattered off some dust. And we did, my mother and I had to have some conversations about a lot of things. Yeah. And just me for myself, I had a lot of, like, like you said, with, uh, with being bullied in school and all that stuff. I just had a lot of... Um, situations in myself i had to make peace with Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is now you have you're not you're not 10 years uh, old anymore it's not that time anymore you just have to accept that that's a part of your story and that's not good or bad i i heard you talk with uh, pat on your episode about that mass shooting that it's not good or bad and Mm -hmm. it's the same here it happened so it's just the way it is. It's not good or bad. I mean, obviously, you could put those labels on those situations, but that would just create a, a weight for you. Yes. If you remove uh, the judgment of good or bad, you also remove the weight. It's just a situation. And exactly. it's just the way you came here to be that person that you are right now. And if you have a healthy relationship with the guy in the mirror, you're at peace with that way because you like the person that stares back yeah exactly and why should you then uh put a bad label on a situation that happened 20 years ago right and still manipulate yourself with that and still weigh you down and still hurt yourself in a way makes no sense it doesn't do you any good anymore no not at all it's just some things you just have to accept to let them go. Mm-hmm. You cannot change them any, anyways. You cannot change them. Some things happen, although they shouldn't happen, like those mass shootings. They shouldn't happen, but they happened. And you cannot do anything more than just accept them. Right. And exactly. now, now I'm coming to a point that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, we talked a lot about stoicism the last time I was on here. And I didn't get the chance back then to talk about the second principle that's really a key component, in my opinion, uh, Amor Fati. Mm -hmm. Basically means love your faith. And that's just the point of what you you can uh, relate that to the whole thing that I was just talking about, right? You, You have your way and you never know if a situation is good or bad. You never know it in the first place. It's just we feel emotions and we tend to judge them pretty quickly. And just a few weeks later, we, re- we would realize, oh, boy, maybe that was a blessing in disguise. Like me using my job, right? Mm-hmm. That I told you about. It was horrible at first. That's why I... Uh, I uh, delayed the, the episode we do today. 
because yeah. I was just mentally not in a place where I could, where I wanted to talk on a camera. Yeah. Um, it really, it was a lot for me uh, to go through. Besides that, just overall, the last few weeks were rough, but it doesn't really matter anymore because this process of going through these rough times, which in retrospect aren't really that rough, but um, it, especially if you compare it to somebody who really has a difficult time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ah, it could it could be so much worse. Yeah. But anyways, um, those rough times they brought me to where I'm now. They brought mm-hmm. me to a new job. They brought me to a new way of thinking, and uh, they opened a few doors that were closed before. Mm-hmm. So was it really bad? Were those times really bad? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it. In, no. in, in retrospect, it doesn't sound like it. No. It's maybe because... No, okay, no, let me put it on. Uh, let me put it this way. Just because it's hard at the moment doesn't mean that the outcome's not worth it. Right, exactly. That's typically when it's most worth it is when, when it's yeah. difficult in the moment. And we need those difficult times. We need them. It's not about erasing the difficult emotions or um, making it easier. No, we need that. We need the difficult times and the hardships to grow stronger and to really make something happen out of those emotions. They yeah. are like fuel. If you if you take a, a fuck, how's the how's the thing called before it's a butterfly? Not in the cocoon, but before that, the caterpillar. Little, the caterpillar. When the caterpillar goes into its cocoon, mm. allegedly, I heard this story. I don't know if it's really true, but mm. there's a process happening. And if you see that, the kid sees the caterpillar in the cocoon and thinks, oh my God, a butterfly is being produced, right? Mm. Or created, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the kid wants to help the little thing because it senses that it's... Uh, exhausting for the caterpillar for that that it's in agony and yeah. it opens the cocoon and what it finds is a dead butterfly because yeah. the process wasn't completed it didn't go through the whole process and so um through opening that cocoon he just uh, the child destroyed the the the, the animal yeah and we we are the same way we need those processes and nobody can help us through help us yes but nobody can walk the walk through for us exactly we have to go through that process to come exactly. out on the other side exactly it's it's upon you to walk your walk yeah absolutely and that's a <clears throat> that's a conversation that i was having yesterday actually um with with myself with work um i'm i'm in a position now like a caterpillar where i'm comfortable i'm good I'm, you know, I'm doing very well. And I was having this conversation because there's a possible, there, there's the chance for me to move up. I was, I was presented the chance for me to move up into a position where it's a lot tougher, a lot more responsibility, but at the other end of it, it there's a lot more perks and benefits to it. And I was having this dilemma in, within myself where it was like, do I want to go that route? I'm comfortable right now. I'm a caterpillar right now. I'm comfortable. I'm just, you know, running around, eating the leaves. I'm, I'm loving it. But <laughs> I have the opportunity to go through some, some tough times 
some, some stress, some, some bullshit for lack of better terms, where I'm going to be responsible for a lot more. I'm going to have a lot more on my plate. I'm going to have to do a lot more, but it could be worth it at the end. And that's, that's a thing that people don't like to do. They don't like the discomfort. They don't want to go into the cocoon. They don't want to transform. They want to just stay, even though they know this isn't where I need to be just because it's comfortable. Yeah, and that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way as well, especially over the last few weeks and months, but um, throughout my entire life, when it's about, when I'm in situations like you are right now, how do you make those decisions? Do you make them with your head or with your, with your heart or with your gut? How do you make those decisions? Yeah, and typically, I think it's, it's just whatever's more comfortable. So I want to say that's a, I mean, in my head, I know I shouldn't make the move, but I'm, the, there's a part of me that's like, no, don't, don't move. You're, you're good. You're good. But how do you grow? You know? But now let, let me ask you this. Is this voice that says no, is it really just your inner bitch for the lack of better terms yeah. um, that wants you to, wants to prevent you from go, growing or is it a voice inside you that knows no that's not the right move i uh, for this specific scenario my mm -hmm. inner bitch then you know what you have to do yeah that's jesus that's tough <laughs> that's that's it real is. it God. is it is but uh I made those I, I made those choices at, as well a few times and I realized in retrospect okay maybe that little voice that I had was not just um, nervousness or whatever it was a feeling inside me that what wanted to warn me or tell me that it's not the right thing for me and mm -hmm. I had to learn it the hard way yeah exactly and that's that's the tough thing too is uh trying to decipher which one it is that's it's not always as easy as you think there's scenarios in my life where i feel as though it's a gut instinct where it's like you shouldn't be in this situation because there's there's signs saying that it's not good but at the same time is that just me being in a different a different situation that i'm not familiar with where it's like this could be beneficial this could be great for you but you just aren't familiar with this situation. So you don't know how to act. So you want to pull yourself away from it. You know, it's like you, you feel that you shouldn't be there or you shouldn't do this, but is it because you shouldn't, or is it because you're not used to it? So you don't know one way or another. And because you don't know, you don't want to take the chance. Yeah. And that's really tricky to differentiate. It's yeah. really tricky. But uh, yeah, that's a process. And with every, with every experience, you get better at uh, not judging, at observing those feelings and making choices with them, because of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just a process. And that process is never really done. It, no, it's never done. Because you're, you're always going to encounter things that you've never encountered before. And exactly. you're going to have to continue doing that process until the day you die. It doesn't yes. stop. Yeah. And that's, you, everyone wants to know it all. Everyone wants to, everyone wants the easiest route, the most comfortable route. And you don't grow in those scenarios, taking the most comfortable route, knowing everything, you know, you have to go yeah. through those scenarios. 
On the other hand, I, I look at it a, a little bit differently. Let's redefine the term comfortable. What is comfort? Is comfort really that concept we have um, of, of a path of no resistance? Or is actual comfort a path where the struggle is worth it? Right now, most people, including myself, comfort is the path of no resistance. You're right, yeah. But uh, if you find, let, let me phrase it differently. What is, a, what would you, um, what would you consider struggling? Working hard, working a lot, doing, doing overtime and all those things, right? Yeah. But you're doing that right now with your podcast. Right. Is that really a struggle? I don't think so. No, I, I think really what it comes down to is the unknown. That's, that's the hardest part is mm -hmm. doing things that you, going a path that you don't know the outcome but you go anyway. That's the discomfort. Like for this, like the job, for example. Yeah. I don't know what the outcome is. I know that there's money, more money involved, but I don't know the work that it's involved. I don't know, or like with certain relationships, you know, you don't know everything about certain people, but you go that path anyway, because the outcome can be great. But yeah. the discomfort is not knowing. This uh, not knowing is always discomfort, always. Yes. But um, if you find meaning in what you're doing, or yeah, if you, if you find a purpose in what you're doing, that's the better word, a purpose in what you're doing, um, then the difficult route gets easy. Because in my, in my opinion, there is no easy way of life of doing something or whatever there is no easy way because you deep down inside you know what you have to do and you know what you want to achieve and you know how to get there or at least for the most part yeah for the most part yeah. but um and if you willingly or unwillingly sabotage yourself and don't go that way that's the real hard way that's 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 the real hard way because then the person inside uh, that's looking back from the mirror is turning against you. Yeah, exactly. If you go, if you hang out on the easy way too much, then all of a sudden the person inside the mirror is turning their back to you. And then that's the real hard way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a growth, that's a growth mindset, which a lot of people, I mean, growth in and of itself, like you said, it's not, e growth is not easy, nope. but when you look at it, you know, when you zoom out from it, is it easier to stay where you are and never grow and never move and never take those chances? Or is it easier to at least have taken those chances and known what would come of it because you took those chances? Because like you said, if you never do take those chances, you will never know what could have been and you will grow from it regardless. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know which route you have to take. And it's the inner bitch saying, don't go. Yeah, exactly. And if you open, if you look under the bed in the most 
cases, you will realize the monster was never even there. Yeah. It was just your head. It was just your head. How do you, how do you, how do you fight against that? Like you personally, how do you get into your head and say like, no, I, this is, this is something I have to do. It's all in my head. How do you do that? Cause it's not an easy thing to do. It depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously if I have to, if I have to make impulsive decisions, I don't really have the time to think about that. Right. Then I'll just react. But if I really, if I catch myself um, in that pattern of thought, I try to remove myself from the situation. Mm. Not think about it too much and clear my mind. Calm, calm down. Um, I like, I'm a big nature guy. I like to be outside. Um, mm. Going to the, go for a long walk and that really calms me down. Also sitting beside the river really calms me down. Yeah. Um, and if that doesn't help, that mostly helps then working out mm-hmm. nothing empties the mind like a hard workout session like pedal to the metal for one and a half hours that calms you down and then you can see clearly right after that you can really see clearly like imagine your mind um like a, like a river i have this example from the tao page tao Beijing, the little book from lao tse um yeah. anyways your mind is like a river and after a storm after heavy rainfalls everything is muddy everything is dirty and you cannot see to the to the bottom of the river right right but what happens after a few hours after a few days when the river cleans itself out and you don't do anything you just wait you you let time pass and you let everything slow down and all of a sudden the water is clear again Mm -hmm. the mud settles and you can see to the to the bottom of the river Mm-hmm. so it's just about being patient it's it's about being still not feeding into that whole uh downward spiral oh my yeah. god what's gonna happen and uh yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. and what's if he says this and she does that and everything yeah. collapses no just <sighs> take a deep breath sit down relax mm-hmm. and then the solution will present itself more often than not. Absolutely. If you you slow down, um, you can see. Do you ever catch yourself in those downward spirals? Like recently for myself, I've caught myself a couple of times where I'm in my head, where I'm, you know, like you think one thing and then that one thing leads to another thing and it's a nonstop, bop, 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 bop how do you do you catch yourself doing that and if you do how do you cut that because i feel like that's the hardest thing once you get into that mindset where you're in your head and you're thinking like oh well this is here so this can lead to this and this can lead to this and it's all bad you end up you're you're you feel it your body literally just sinks into itself how do you pull yourself from that of course i catch myself in those things of i i think everybody does mm-hmm. but um what works for me, working out. Yeah. That's we have that we have a tradition. When you step onto the mats, you bow to the mat, and 
that's a symbol for symbolism for like everything that's outside outside of those of, of the mats you leave mm -hmm. that out there and once you get off the mats you bow again and you go back into the normal world right yeah. um, just that you can approach a few things like that for example if you do something creative that can be mind emptying as well or just when you when you work out or go for a walk with the intention of not feeding into that spiral anymore but just just stopping the the spiral like not even not even focusing on the spiral anymore but more of accepting and letting go mm -hmm. that's i would say that's the biggest thing i i do to uh to deal with such thinking patterns is accept the situation that makes me think in that way how do you how do you accept it because for me when i get into those when i do get into those downward spirals mm -hmm. i tend to and it's it's a very unhealthy coping mechanism but i detach so mm -hmm. like mentally and sometimes physically i will remove myself from that scenario altogether instead of analyzing it and seeing it, it seeing seeing it for what it is i'll detach myself and as a coping mechanism so i just stop dealing with it altogether instead of Could you give me an example that i have a better uh, idea like if something if something upsets me mm -hmm. right if, if i get into that downward spiral where i'm like all negative instead of dealing with it instead of thinking about it and thinking through it and accepting it i will just force myself like i will i'll put my focus on something else mm -hmm. and try and avoid this thing and then because i'm only avoiding it and not accepting it and realizing it it comes back like say for example something gets me upset i'll turn something on netflix and i'll watch mm -hmm. something and that will completely pull my focus from it but yeah. then every now and then it comes back in and then when i'm driving to work it'll come back in and i'll notice that i don't i'm not even focusing on the road anymore i'm like yeah. i just drove 20 minutes and i've been thinking about this thing that i've been avoiding yeah i catch myself in those scenarios as well of course but yeah. and depending on on the topic or or the issue rather to say it's easier to accept it and sometimes it's almost impossible yeah and if you find yourself in those situations where it's really really hard to make peace with it it just needs time uh one of the stoics once said uh i, I think it was one of the stoics some philosopher said uh um reason no time is the only thing damn it um only time can heal what reason cannot uh only time can heal what reason cannot sometimes you you have all the reason reasons not to be upset everything is logical and everything is rationally uh, acceptable and you know you know that you shouldn't be upset and you shouldn't feel bad mm. but you feel bad anyways yeah and that's just a process you have to go through absolutely and i feel like it's for myself it comes from a place of control. Me as a person, I, I like my life, 
I love when I can control everything. And life is not like that where you can control everything. You can't control everything. So in those scenarios where I can't control it, my mind goes crazy. And I'm just like, like if it's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. If it's another person, you can't control another person. So then you're like thinking about all these different scenarios because you can't control it. And that's the hardest thing for me, I think. It's funny that you mentioned this because I was thinking about that over the last few weeks as well. And I came to the conclusion from myself that I have to look at life not not as I'm in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are in a way, in a yeah. weird way, but then you're not. Mm-hmm. If you asked me when we met in Texas what, I, what I'm doing now, I would have given you an answer that's so far off from reality. Uh-huh. And if you told me that I'm, I would be where I'm at right now, at the exact position that I'm in, doing what I do and uh, hanging out with who I, who I hang out with and all those things that the whole package, mm-hmm. I, would have, I, would have, I would have laughed at you. Really? Like, I'm different. Yes. It, it came so different than I expected it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was so right that it came that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never, I never saw that path that I'm on right now. And mm-hmm. therefore, I try to see it like I'm not at the, in the driver's seat. I'm the passenger and somebody else is driving or the car is on autopilot. And mm-hmm. I just have recommendations where to drive. Yeah. Sometimes the driver is like, nope, we are not making that right turn. We are going left. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the left turn is much more beautiful than the right turn would have been. How did you, how did you find the path that you're on right now? How did that come about? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was at a point, sorry? Was it something that happened or was it? Yeah, it was something that happened. Uh, I... I had a big argument with somebody and that made me realize like, okay, now I have to change something. And that's when I, when I saw an opportunity or when I was presented an opportunity and I was like, okay, I have nothing to lose or I, everything is better than where I'm at right now. So let's try it. And then I discovered, oh, hey, this is cool. I like that, uh-huh. you know, but for this to happen, I had to reach a point where I was like, nope, it's not going to keep going like this. Uh-huh. So something has to change. And for that, a lot of stuff had to come together to really create that uh, sense of now it's time. Right. And did like you, that. yeah, absolutely. Did you, was it more of you like letting go? Like, whatever comes is better than what this is and you just kind of like let that go yeah it it was a lot about um letting go old uh ideas of how i am or how i should be and Mm. how i should go my way and what i should do and all that it was a lot of letting we talked about ego right yeah and it was a lot of um letting go of my ego that says no you have to do this and this and this to be this 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 and blah 
you don't have to do shit to be something. You right. already are. And that's, that's a big misconception. We always think we have to do this, 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 and this to become this, 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 and that. Why? You already are. Remove, the, remove all that I have to become. No, you already are. Mm -hmm. Stop becoming and start being. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's uh, again, back to the videos that I watch and uh, the podcast. That's a big thing that they teach in that too. Uh, everyone says, um, what is it? What, what was, it was when, it's, it's always when. I will be happy when. I will, I will start talking to people when. I will, I will be, you know, I, this is when I will do it. And it's not, it's not that. It's not when, like you can go, you can be happy now. You can exactly. go talk to people now. You are valuable now. And everyone has that whole like, oh, when I make $100,000 a year, that's when I'll be happy. That's when I'll be comfortable. And it's like, no, you, you can do that now. And setting that, setting that limit to yourself makes it so you just live however long it takes to reach that goal, miserable. And then once you reach that goal, nine times out of 10, you're still miserable. You're still miserable. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there, there's a, 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 a guy that I watch, he talks about socializing, right? Socializing in business, relationships, all that mm -hmm. stuff. And a lot of people say, I will, I'll start socializing when I make $100,000 a year because that's when I can afford to live the life that people want to be around. And then they get to that point and they don't know how to socialize and they don't think it's enough. And then they see people that are making 500,000 like, oh no, 500,000 is when I'll be able to do this. Yeah. And it's a nonstop cycle. And there's a saying where it's actually, um, you're, it's something to the effect of you're miserable, not, nothing, you're never more miserable than when you reach your goal and yeah. realize that nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. And that's because like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'll have the yacht, I'll have the nice car and then I'll be happy. And then you get it and you're like, oh no, I'm the same miserable person I've been just in a nice car and in a boat. Of course, because you never learned how to be happy. Exactly. And you can't be because it's all based on material things. Yeah. And uh, funny that you talk about that because uh, I recently talked about this with, uh, with another friend of mine. I have an a similar example to the same principle. Um, so many people talk to me about, oh, I want to come to your gym and start the jujitsu and look at it and try it out, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. Like hundreds. Yeah. yeah, maybe not hundreds, but you get the point. Yeah. And if none of them, none of them actually showed up. Yeah, of course. It, it's just, and, and they all have the same excuse. No, I have to be more fit. Uh, I just have to get into sh in, into better shape and then I'll come by, right? Then I'll try it out. Why? Why get into better shape? The first few practices are going to suck anyways. Yeah. You're never going to be in enough shape to be no. able to handle it anyway. No, exactly. Either way, you're going to go through the dirt. You're going to yeah. go through, uh, how do you say that? Go through the no, mud. Go through the go through the dirt. Yeah, yeah. You you have to uh, engage in that process anyway. So why wait another year? Exactly. Because 
that year could be valuable experience on your journey. Right. And, and that translates to every, excuse me. Without taking those chances, you'll literally never know. Exactly. And that translates to every other aspect of this journey. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's uh, starting a podcast or start socializing with people or going, going on vacations alone or I don't know, what, whatever it is, mm -hmm. why not start now? Exactly. And build up In what you want to be now. Not exactly. Yet. In a year from now, you would, you would wish that you had started now. Exactly. And that's one thing you can't do. You can't go back and start earlier, but you can start no. now and, and continue. It's really cliche what, uh, to say that, but the first step is really the hardest because like we said, the unknown, right? You, you never pursued that road and it's like with the monster under the bed. You don't know what's awaiting you. And once you do that first step, once you make that first step and you start walking down that path, you realize, okay, um, it's just a new process, but uh, it's the same it's the same life. It's not like, uh, like I'm in a different dimension all of a sudden. No, it's just I'm doing different things, but I'm, I'm capable of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If there, so for the people watching this, if there was mm -hmm. one thing that you wanted to like have them walk away from this video with that we talked about, what would it be? Because we talked about a lot. Yeah, we talked about a lot. Let me think. Yeah, I would say be true to yourself. Be true to the person staring back from the mirror. I use that example a lot and I feel like that's something that's really important for me in the last few weeks or that was really important or still is. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what I would, uh, would give to other people or suggest them to. And it's so easy said, but it's easier said than done, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And for that, how would you recommend people figure that out? Because a lot of people live their lives through outside validation. So they don't yeah. really know who they are. How would you suggest somebody start to figure out what it is they want and what they like? How did you do Connect it? Connect with yourself. Sit, take, um, take a dark room. Take a pillow, sit into that dark room, close your eyes, ask yourself the question, what, am, am I on the right path or am I, or what do I want? Ask yourself that question and then sit with it, let it sink in. And maybe it takes practice for you to get an answer, or maybe you will get that answer pretty quickly, but uh, somehow or another, if you ask that question often and often enough, you will get an answer. And maybe it will not be an easy one to swallow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Most times probably not easy because you have to realize that the person you've been isn't who you actually are. Yeah. And uh, Jordan Peterson actually talked about that on a podcast. He said, um, sit on your bed and at a quiet night and ask yourself what is something that I know that I should fix 
that I could fix and that I would fix. Mm -hmm. And if you meditate on that, you will get an answer. Absolutely. But uh, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. Always. Because it means, it, it just means that you have to change something. Mm -hmm. And that's never easy. Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast today. This thank was, you so much, Michael, for having me. Absolutely. This was an amazing, amazing episode. And I'm glad we didn't plan anything out because it definitely worked out. I had a blast, yeah. Absolutely. Anybody watching the video, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Any questions that you have for Fabian or myself, feel free to DM or comment that. I have him back again. He's full of knowledge, so he's just going to keep coming back. Uh, and thank you for watching.